I'll tell you, I didn't think that I was going to have a life like this where uh, people would be coming in with like no hearing in their ear and then I'm fixing it. Um, or a woman coming in saying like, I've been told I cannot have children. And then we help her to have that child. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing work. It's not what I would have been doing at all as law enforcement. I would have been getting yelled at and stopping fights and doing all those things. And I don't know how much of a difference that I really would have made because of all the obstacles that I would have had to face. But here, people come in, even if they're just coming in for general wellness, they change when they leave us. And it's been really fulfilling. What y'all listening to? Live My Highlight Podcast. Welcome back to Limelight Highlight, where we highlight individuals tackling everyday problems you thought couldn't be solved. I'm your host, Jonathan Rosario, and what you just heard is a clip from today's episode where I'm joined by Alexandra Williams. Alex is the co-founder and hyperbaric administrator for Holistic Hyperbarics, a female-founded business that is purposely providing hyperbaric oxygen therapy in a restorative spa environment. Alex also happens to be the first and only black woman owner of a hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic in the entire United States. She's from Oakland, California, and in this podcast shares the chain of events that has brought her life to helping others through her clinic and practice. Holistic Hyperbarics is one of the only holistic health clinics that subsidizes treatment for those who can't otherwise afford it. Founded and led by a queer black woman with a majority female board of directors, it is the most and best reviewed hyperbaric clinic in the nation. So a lot of accolades for this uh, podcast here. Since opening in 2017, year over year revenue has doubled. They're focused on developing hardware and software innovation along with building proprietary technology for data aggregation. And most importantly, they're purposely creating atmospheres where patients feel seen and heard. Something many of us I can attest to are yearning for when we're getting treated, no matter where we're getting treated. Best of all, they're currently in the investment round and you can get in now by visiting wefunder.com forward slash holistic dot hyperbarics. The link will also be in the show notes for those who are really interested. And if this introduction wasn't enough to get you to look into this amazing opportunity, then listen to the show and hear all about how Alex and her team are making life changing impacts on their community. The story Alex shares are breathtaking and something that needs to be heavily shared which is the whole reason she's on this podcast. And hopefully you guys get inspired and I hope you enjoy today's show. Now, I didn't forget about our fun fact. Now, today's related fun fact is that hyperbaric oxygen therapy was first used in the U.S. in the early 20th century. This is when back when Orville Cunningham used pure oxygen to successfully treat someone dying from the flu. Pretty wild, right? He developed a hyperbaric chamber, but then later had to dismantle it after his use of the therapy for other conditions failed. Not to worry, the therapy was once tried again in the 40s when the U.S. Navy used hyperbaric oxygen therapy to treat deep sea divers who had decompression sickness. And by the 60s, the therapy was also used to combat carbon monoxide poisoning. Fast forwarding to today where, hint, hint, you got to listen to the podcast to hear about all the great things that hyperbaric oxygen therapy has been used for and treating for other sicknesses. So. Without further ado, I'd just like to say thank you for listening. I uh, hope you guys gather some really good information that could change your life from this conversation. And yeah, help me welcome Alex to the podcast. Welcome, Alex Williams, to the podcast. 
Um, I got in contact with you from Madison. You said she's part of your PR team. She is. Yeah. And uh, how did you hear about the show? Um, mainly through Madison. She had really good contacts um, and she sent me a few of the episodes. So it's been fun to see where you guys are going. Um, and I think my company's pretty in line with what you guys have had before. Yeah, for sure. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But um, why? Um, so obviously, because you're you're in line with it, is that the reason you guys wanted to get on the show and just kind of? Yeah. And I think for us, um, it's really important that I get into interviews with people that look like me and would <laughs> share the same politics as me. And this was right on. And I was like, yeah, get to them as soon as possible. And you're for our listeners who don't know, you are the first black woman to own a hyperbaric wellness clinic or therapy clinic in the entire yeah. United States. That's correct. That is um, I'm amazing. Definitely different. <laughs> yeah. And um, so just before we get deeper into that, um, you know, you're a member of the Oakland community in California. Yes. And uh, just tell us and the listeners a little bit more about yourself and how you got into this line of work. Absolutely. I mean, how much time do you have? I, um, <laughs> I was actually not supposed to be doing this with my life. I was uh, on a path to become a law enforcement officer. Um, in Oakland. In Oakland. Okay. Um, you know, if you're a person of color and even if you're not, if you're an American, you, you knew these names that started to come out. And as my grandparents will tell me, these weren't the first names. These were just names that had cameras towards them, right? Um, we started to learn about these names, about um, Trayvon Martin and Eric Garner and Mike Brown. And that was right when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do outside of working on an ambulance. I worked on the ambulance for 10 years. And while I was on the ambulance, we started to see these names and these cases of these black men and women who were getting uh, gunned down or strangled or killed by law enforcement. And I just wanted to be a part of the solution. Now I am the granddaughter of Black Panthers. So you can only imagine what, when I said I wanted to become a cop, how much they weren't okay with that. But um, I have always believed that you need to have all people at the table. And if you're not at the table, you're probably on the menu. And so yeah. <laughs> um, I was bound for a career in law enforcement and right out of the academy, uh, I wrestled. It's one of my sports that I uh, played and after the pandemic, I'm hoping to go back to it. Um, and I tore my shoulder one night wrestling at a meet and um, I had done uh, Ironman triathlon before that. My coach had a, a hyperbaric chamber and so I remembered hyperbaric chambers as part of our training. And I thought it must be really good for someone to use it when they have a soft tissue tear. Because all I got from my Western medicine doctor was a prescription for Vicodin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, okay, you're in your 20s. Go, go figure it out, right? Um, that was it. And I had good insurance and that was what good insurance got me. And so um, I came home and I was like, you know what? I, I want to get into a hyperbaric chamber. And so I went to a couple facilities near me in the Bay Area. They still exist. <laughs> and um, I had a really bad experience. Um, I had an experience where it felt really medical and cold and the doctors were not kind. And that was, that's the nicest way to put it. 
um, I felt like a burden in the system and less like a patient to be taken care of. And so uh, when I came home, I'm $800 lighter in my pocket and I didn't feel like I was cared for. And so going through this situation twice, I was like, that's enough for me to know that I don't need to be in the system. And so I came home and I actually took my savings and I bought my own hyperbaric chamber. Uh, so you were my sold. Plan was to- you were sold from day oh, one. Yeah. Oh yeah. And um, so I bought a chamber, I brought it home and the plan was heal my shoulders as quick as possible, get myself onto the force and continue with my career path. And when I came home and I healed my shoulder in a record time, I started talking about it on Facebook and my friends started coming over and they had different conditions. Like uh, one was recovering from surgery. Another one had a motorcycle accident. Somebody else was dealing with depression. And when they started getting amazing results, they started talking about it on Facebook. And then their friends started coming to my house in East Oakland. Now, I don't know how much time you spent in my city, but I'll tell you that it's not a normal thing that people just do that, right? This is not, you know, some place in North Carolina where everybody's just nice and friendly and you can just go and get some jam somewhere. And what was fascinating to me really early in this was that strangers were coming to my house, not knowing exactly what they were about to do there, but coming there. Uh, because they knew it had to be better than what their doctor told them. And every time a new case would come in, I would just hit the books. I had a good base knowledge in anatomy and physiology and working knowledge from my 10 years on the ambulance. But I wanted to know how is this device helping all of these conditions all at once? And when it got to a point where I couldn't just be there all the time, I would leave my key in a lockbox so that people could come to my house use this chamber. I didn't charge any money. And I was like, just clean it with these wipes and then, you know, go. Then I realized that something was happening. I didn't know what it was, but it was something. I sat down with two of my friends and they seated me $40,000 and we started the business. And now here we are four years. And two months later, we are the highest rated facility in the United States. We've seen thousands of patients um, and we're at the precipice of our next investment round where we are valued at 40 million. So it's been a ride. <laughs> what a, the understatement here is um, the way life hands you lemons, huh? The way. Well, yeah. Now it hasn't always been easy. Like it's, it's, it's been tough. We've had growing pains. We've had um, patients that, um, you just don't need a lot of care, but the base of what I have done from the start was to be the antithesis of what I experienced in the industry. So we really focus on the care of our patients. We tell them that you've come home here, take it off. We see you, we hold you, we listen. And it's amazing that each one of them will tell us it's the first time that someone sat and listened to them about what's going on with them. Um, And we go out of our way to take care of them today we are delivering air filters to two of our patients who are recovering from long haul COVID-19 who are affected by the smoke from the fires here in California. So we go all the way out of our way to take care of our people. And what we have found is of course, it's a winning model because healthcare is not like that and it should be. So we're paying into the equity of what healthcare should be. Especially when you come from neighborhoods like us, where the, the, uh, the cure is to give you a pill and to send you on your way. And then you yeah. wonder why so many people are addicted or, right. they're, you know, they're struggling even more and life falls apart after that. 
what are some of the issues that um, hyperbarics does like uh, aids people with? Like what are what are some of the some of the issues that a lot of people who, who aren't familiar with this type of treatment? Let's talk about it from a very base level. You and I are talking right now. I like to talk with my hands. Um, you, you do it a little bit too. Everything we do requires cellular cash, right? Just like outside in the world, you are a capitalist body. You're in a capitalist organism. So everything you do requires your cellular cash. And the big driver, the paper of your cash or the, the main thing of your cash is oxygen. And so you need it for every function you do, when you digest, when you sleep, um, when we're talking together. And so we need to look at hyperbarics as that base level. And when you look at it like that, we can use it for pretty much everything. What are the main things I see? I see concussion. I see stroke. I see COVID-19 long haul. I see um, fertility. At our facility, we don't limit ourselves to what is covered by insurance. Insurance covers 14 conditions and they are needed conditions like diabetic wounds and radiation cystitis and things that are really, really crazy chronic things on the body um, that people need to solve right away. And we see those too, but we also open the door to what is a clear indication, which is pretty much everything because you need it for cellular cash. So we see a wide, wide variety in our facility. And hyperbaric chambers are considered a class two medical device? It's a class, it's a class A1 medical oh, device. A1, so okay. it's like an MRI machine. Okay. You do need, you do need a prescription to use it. Um, and we, we help to provide those prescriptions for people. In the time that I've had this business, I've only denied four people our service. And that was because they had late stage cardiac issues that could not take the pressure of the chamber. If you've been in an airplane, you've been in a hyperbaric chamber. Um, all a hyperbaric chamber is, is a pressurized controlled area um, where we increase the amount of pressure and give you 100% oxygen. What that does is it forces more oxygen into your bloodstream, not just in your red blood cells, but in your blood plasma, which goes throughout your body. Which actually leads back to your coach having one at his house, because I know a lot of fighters use that for kind of recovery and they sometimes they even practice or they train at high altitudes because it helps them with their stamina with their muscle recovery and things of that nature and so this is the opposite this simulates of course an underwater so more pressure okay. versus less and we're actually seeing now what we're trying to investigate right now is instead of having these athletes go up to altitude which is a temporary change when your body goes up to altitude, your body realizes, oh, I need to produce more red blood cells to meet the fact that the air is thinner. When you go up into the air, you go into altitude, there's not less oxygen, it's just sparse. And so your body is trying to pick up as much oxygen as possible. So you produce more red blood cells to catch that oxygen. So the, the thought now that we're trying to figure out is, if we actually gave an influx of oxygen in a longer period of time before the actual event, is it a more permanent change? So if you have a multiple event day, um, we're not worried about how much oxygen you have in your system. Um, but right now, yeah, the cardinal rule is go up to altitude higher than where you're gonna be performing so that when you come back down to altitude, it's much easier. Gotcha. And some of these, like how common are some of the issues that you get people coming in to see 
therapy? Um, how, mo- like, it's super common. People just, people call us and the, the, most of the common stuff is concussion, sports recovery, um, stroke, and they're finding us organically. Now, in one of the um, emails between me and Madison, um, I seen that it helped with uh, someone who, uh, hearing loss, hearing recovery loss. Yes. So, yeah. So, so how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about it. Sudden hearing loss is something that can happen to anyone at any time. There is no marker that says, oh, you're going to do this. Or you're going to get sudden hearing loss. People could have no extreme noise exposure and, and lose hearing in one complete ear. You just wake up that way. And most people think, oh, okay, let me just wait for a couple of days and they'll go to their ear, nose, and throat doctor and they'll give them steroids to help out. Sometimes those steroids don't work. And this is because we need oxygen in our ears. Believe it or not, your inner ear is a very low vasculature area. And so we need the pressure from a chamber to get oxygen into the area to help heal um, your co- your vestibular cochlear nerve to help you with hearing. And so how we see it is getting you into the chamber as soon as possible has the best chance of restoring your hearing. And we've had people that come in, have 0% hearing in one ear, and after 20 sessions are back to 100%. Wow. And it's, how does the infertility work? So for fertility, it's the same situation. Um, we're looking to make the body, um, the woman's body, the best vessel for implantation, right? And there are several ways that we can help with fertility, but the best way is to thicken the uterine lining. And we do that, of course, by giving the body enough resources, oxygen resources to thicken that lining. As we get older, it's a lot harder for a woman to have a thick lining so that when the egg descends, it has a thicker, more viscous area to attach to the wall of the uterus. And so by giving um, the woman 10 to 15 sessions um, at a very, very timed pace, we can actually thicken the uterine lining um, more than 20%. And so it's a big deal, especially if you're deemed infertile, um, to correct that issue and increase the amount of vasculature in that area. It's going to help with the development of the baby. I'll tell you, I didn't think that I was going to have a life like this where, uh, people would be coming in with like no hearing in their ear and then I'm fixing it. Um, or a woman coming in saying like, I've been told I cannot have children. And then we help her to have that child. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing work. It's not what I would have been doing at all as law enforcement. I would have been getting yelled at and stopping fights and doing all those things. And I don't know how much of a difference that I really would have made because of all the obstacles that I would have had to face. But here, people come in, and even if they're just coming in for general wellness, they change when they leave us. And it's been really fulfilling. And it's a lot less stressful as far as the environment goes. <laughs> um yeah. I like that you said, you know, when people come in, they're, fa- you know, you want to f- make them feel like they're family because too often we go to the doctor and we're going to wait on that hefty doctor's bill and we're not even going to get treated the way we think we should be getting treated in the sense right. of hospitality and um, curing of our ailments. <laughs> right. So, and it's, it's remarkable to me um, the amount of people who actually don't get real care in the system. And, and still so owe and still us. owe a ton of money. 
Right, right, right. And we spend the most money on our healthcare system and we are terrible across the board. The amount of money we spend per person does not translate into healing. And so it's remarkable to me when they come in they've gone through all of these different systems and then we put them in the chamber twice and things change. Speaking of that, because there's so much distrust, especially as of late with the pharmaceutical industry and our healthcare system, um, the word holistic back, it's been changing a little bit, but that word has had a little bit of a stigma over the, um, the course of a few years back, um, kind of like woo, 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 washy, woo, you know, kind of, uh, yeah. mystical stuff, but, For um, sure. especially with COVID now you see, and the, and the mistrust of pharmaceutical companies, you see a lot of people looking for alternatives like holistic medicines, um, how has how has COVID affected uh, your business and your practice and, and how all that operation goes? We have, since the beginning of our operation, we have doubled every year in our gross. And that did not change in the year of COVID. Um, what did change for us, which was really hard for everyone with the business, is that my first job is to keep a Uh, safe work environment for my employees, both safe emotionally and physically. And with the virus, we just didn't know. We didn't know how people contracted it. You remember people walking around with space suits. You didn't leave your house. If you had groceries that were delivered, you were wiping them down. Um, I remember people not wanting to order spinach because they would have had to wipe down each leaf um, it got really crazy, right? So for us, the medical facility, we had people that we, we couldn't shut down. We didn't shut down. Um, but quickly, what was really clear for us was that the medical industry didn't have an answer for these COVID patients. The answer was come to the hospital only when you can't breathe, which we now know is way too late, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew really early on that if they were able to get oxygen, it would definitely help. Now, a lot of laws stop me from helping people who are actively um, infected with the virus, but we have had a lot of people that are looking for pulmonary recovery that are coming to us with a lot of success. Because the beginning, they were putting people on ventilators and they were dying. Yeah. I mean, the ventilator um, percentage was was and is terrible. If you get on a vent, your percentage of getting off that vent alive is less than 30%. And so anything we could do to make sure that didn't happen, anything. And what are some of the kind of newer things that you guys have planned to uh, be kind of helping the community and in that nature? We're going into a $9 million investment round to vertically integrate this industry. How much? We're $9 million. Nine, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little serious. <laughs> and we're in the middle of it. We've already started and we've already started um, raising some money. Um, and what I want to do is I want to explore more. I want to see if, how, what happens when we push the bounds of this treatment? Um, what happens when we apply it to all of these conditions? And right now we're in a place where our Uh, treatments aren't being collected in data. So we don't know all of our successes around the country. I would like to try and link up our centers across the country, all these different centers around the country so that we know what protocol is happening. 
So that's one thing we're looking into is how do we link them with, with technology so that we can keep all of our data together. So as a nation, we figure out what are we doing to move hyperbarics forward? There are other countries like Israel and Russia who are working more cohesively and we're seeing a lot of advances in hyperbarics from those countries. And so I'm interested in seeing how we can link ourselves together so that we can start linking all of our successes and understand our data together. So that's one thing we're working through, but a general integration of, um, of this profession looks multifaceted. It's controlling um, not just the hyperbaric care itself, but also the oxygen and how it's produced and how it's delivered, as well as the chambers and how they're made. And so we are attacking all of those. So we are making chambers, we are manufacturing chambers. We have started and um, acquired an oxygen business. And we are also providing, still providing the top care um, of hyperbaric medicine. And so we're very excited to look at what it means to see this in all aspects to move it forward. Now I see on your website, the pods or the chambers rather. Yes. Um, but I also seen like pictures with helmets. And so there's, are there different types of chambers and, and how does each yeah. one kind of work for what your, the goal is? Sure. So um, what you're seeing on our website is our chambers that we have right now. Um, there will, they will not be the ones that we're actually producing. These are just ones that we bought from a manufacturer, but they're great vessels. Um, they have the ability to dive or simulate a dive between 10 feet and 66 feet. And there's so much healing in between that. And depending on what the condition is, we apply the certain amount of pressure. Um, different chambers, they all do the same thing. They apply pressure and they give you oxygen. Now, um, the FDA has only cleared a certain many of these chambers. And so making sure that if you're listening to us and you're not in the area to come and see us, making sure that you get to a facility that has an FDA cleared chamber is really important for your safety. And so there definitely is different chambers all out there. There's some that people see that are clear tubes. That's the one that Michael Jackson was in. And that's predominantly used for insurance-based facilities, which we will be changing to. Um, and then they have chambers the size of a room, which are called multi-place chambers. And we'll have one of those in each of our locations also. So they're all different, but they do the same thing. They apply pressure and give you oxygen. Now, would, uh, so your whole body has to be in there to get the full treatment, not just like where you breathe in oxygen. Yeah. If we had a pressure differential between appendages, it would not be good. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm just going to put that right there. <laughs> gotcha. What, um, when you find, when you actually started getting into this field, did you have any mentors or I know you said, you know, you kind of hit the books and, and started to educate yourself, but did you have any mentors and people who guided you along the way? Yeah, very quickly, I reached out to Dr. Scott Scher, and we became very close friends. Um, and him and I, he, he's, a, he's, he's a wanderer like me. We're explorers. We're interested in pushing things forward and pushing the boundaries, and he's a physician. And so he, of course, has a more classical medical degree. And with that, him and I have always theorized on different things to do, and we've worked on protocols together. Um, and we continue to have a really great relationship. He's on my medical board of advisors. Um, and so he's been a great mentor to me, but everything I know about running a business actually came from the time when I was working in my grandparents' liquor store here in the Bay Area. 
they came to California in the great black migration. So um, the we, yeah, from the South, from Alabama and Mississippi. And they came here in the early fifties for a better life, like hundreds of thousands of African-Americans um, post-industrial of the South. And so in coming here, they worked on VTA buses and um, they also built a lot of the um, planes and trains that were still in production here. And they saved their money and they bought a, a barber shop, which they managed. And then it turned into five barber shops and they sold all five and bought this liquor store that is actually still standing in Berkeley, California today. And when I was born in the eighties, um, they had me coming to the liquor store from the age of four in for about 10 years until I was 14. And everything I knew about how you take care of people, even in the small time we had them at the liquor store, you know, I, I knew people's orders before they would walk up. I knew that like somebody wanted like a Marlboro single and like a, a, a small thing of like ballerina, right? And so you start to learn about everything with people. And we swept the floors at night just to open in the morning and sweep the same floors because that's what you do to take care of your place. It's a pride so in that was in, Yeah. And that was ingrained in me very, very early. Um, and it's those little pieces of what I've learned in that time and also how we treated people on the ambulance my ambulance company um that's based not far from here a lot of the reason why they are very successful is because again like they're called royal ambulance because they treat people royally and so everything i learned from them i i cut my teeth there as in the, you know the, the colloquialism i learned everything i know from them and so those were the big drivers and then professionally in hyperbarics it's been dr scott Nice. And it's, it's funny that you say about, you know, kind of Western medicine working with different holistic medicines, because I had interviewed, um, her name is Reagan Lima and she was a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. Wow. And she was telling me how hard it is sometimes because the Western medicine doctors are obviously indoctrinated into this way of thinking, with how to treat certain ailments with prescription pills or whatever they learned there. And her job was a, just a little bit harder because being a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, she would have to know how to treat or how to work with Western medicine to treat whatever ailment is, is going on. And you don't see that happening the other way. So right. for you to work with a traditional Western medicine um, physician, it kind of helps you kind of bounce ideas on how to help. Uh... Well, his dad was a chiropractor, right? So oh, he go. grew up in that non-traditional setting. And so it definitely like, it goes back and forth. And kind of the help of hyperbarics is that insurance does cover 14 conditions. So doctors, as they go through their rotation, understand that part of it. They understand that they, these are the conditions that are covered by insurance and here is why. And so the hard work is being like, okay, but can we just separate what you know about insurance and have a base understanding of what is the role of oxygen in the body? And how do you determine, because if it's only, you know, covered by 14 specific things, how do you, how do you determine who, not, not that you want to turn anybody away, you know what I mean? But cost effective to actually help people. 
So we up into this point um, have been a cash only business, right? And we make sure that we are about 25% less than the nearest competitor. Um, and if, um, if it's an insurance-based condition and I recognize that money is a barrier to your care, we refer them out. I happily and proudly will refer them into the right place so that they can get the care they need in the way that they can afford it. Um, but the majority of our patients pay cash pay. Um, and we have some people that definitely pay more, which then subsidizes for people that can't pay a lot. Um, and so we have this really beautiful interactive uh, community of people who are not only willing to talk to others about their conditions. When we have people that call and they're like, has anyone ever had this condition? I have a Rolodex of patients who are open to talk to prospective patients, not only about uh, how they are feeling with their condition, but also their experience with us. So it's been really, really fun to cultivate that. So you have almost like a pay it forward slash referral experience review conversation. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing. And we're starting a really nerdy, I wouldn't call it a podcast because we're not going to put it on to like anything like that, but it's going to be on our website called talks from the tank. Um, so that we can have people talking about their experiences and so that we can also point to these episodes too for people. Now, when people are getting treated, are they just kind of sitting there and, and for a duration of time and waiting until that time is over or? Yeah, you hop in the tank and you've seen the pictures on our website and our Instagram. Um, you can sit upright and not hit the ceiling. You can put your arms all the way out and not hit the ceiling, put your arm to the side and barely touch the sides. So you have a lot of space in there. Um, and we really try to make it a luxurious experience. You have two long pillows that hug you on either side, um, a pillow for underneath your knees and a pillow behind your head. So most people sleep. Okay. Nice. Some people come in there and they read, but the oxygen actually makes you feel very relaxed into sleeping. Nice. And are they allowed to have anything in there other than like a book, but like electronics or anything like that? Or I know you said it's basically like inside of an airplane, but wasn't sure if there was any restrictions. Yeah, we just let people sleep or read a book. That's pretty much what we do. Nice. And yeah. what what were some common misconceptions that kind of went towards you then when people were kind of iffy about hyper, hyperbarics or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think that we as humans do this really relatable thing, right? We try to find experiences that we either experience or understand to relate to things that we don't know, right? So a lot of times people think that we're like cryo because most people have experienced cryo or they understand what cryo is. So a misconception is that like we're like cryo or a misconception is that we only do wound care and that's not even true at all. Or that we're a medical center and we're cold and terrible. And the truth yeah. is like, no, no, we're, we're black as hell. We are <laughs> for the people and you're home when you're here. And we, we treat we, you know, we, we, we do this for everybody. And what are, um, what are some things that you wish you have, would have known before getting into the business? Oh man. Um, again, how long do you have? I think the biggest <laughs> takeaway that I have is that, um, first of all, that everything is a lot more expensive than you think. And yeah. so when you're budgeting out for your business, just remember that Things are always more expensive than you think that they are and always ask for more money than you think you need. You'll say you need a big cushion, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is as a person of color, as a woman, as a newcomer into any kind of environment, not just in hyperbarics, 
remember that you know who you are and you're doing the right things because the people in your environment might not celebrate you. They might see never see you as an equal. They might never think that what you're doing is a cool thing. They might disparage you. And I have faced adversity in this environment quite mainly because we're different. And I used to be very, very sad about that. And I look at the reflection of what we have done in the last four years and what we continue to do. And we just turn off the crows. We just, we just don't listen anymore because we're well within bounds of what we're doing. We're helping a lot of people. Yeah, numbers don't lie. So yeah. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> so regardless of how people feel about certain things, it's there's a especially no matter what business you're in, for some reason there's always that famine mentality that comes yeah. from compete competitors. And they think there's not enough to go around instead of like you said, in, in Russia and in Israel, they're, they're working together with their information instead of hoarding it like it's, like it's some kind of resource that's limited. <laughs> Capitalism has its limitations. And when we live in a society that encourages a scarcity mentality, you're always going to have people that feel like they need to be assholes <laughs> to do well. That's very and the true. truth is... If someone opened up a center right next door to mine, it wouldn't bother me at all because there is so much work to be done. Every person that's breathing can use oxygen therapy. And so why are we competing? I was going to say there's not a shortage of people who yeah. need help. That's for sure. Absolutely. And if you're willing to work with people, there's never a shortage. What, um, what advice would you give somebody who's looking to pursue like they're listening to this podcast right now. Didn't know anything about hyperbarics and they just learned a ton from you and the path that you went down. What's some advice you would give a little girl who wants to do the same thing you're doing? Wants to do hyperbarics or start a business? Both. <laughs> okay. So if, if you're looking to get into hyperbarics, the first thing I would tell you is read. You need, like, if I had... One thing that someone should have told me early on was get into those hyperbaric courses, get into that reading and do as much as you can do right now. Part of what makes me really good at my job is that I am a knowledge ball because I read all of those books. Um, because I believe that we, we, you know, we work twice as hard to get half as much. And so as a woman and as a person of color, you have to know your craft. And so becoming a nerd within that craft doesn't serve, it serves you dividends all the way through. And if you're a little girl out there or a young man out there and you're thinking about getting into business and doing it for yourself, you just have to have an inner, an, an inner power within yourself to know that what you're doing is right. And if you feel like you're in the right path, you pursue it you gun it down until you figure it out um, and, and don't ever give up. There were times in this business when no one came in for days and we did not have money coming in and I had to not get paid to pay my employees. And there's moments where you're like, what are you doing? You should go to nursing school or look back into law enforcement because it's a comfy salary. But this was the right thing to do from the very start. And so you just got to know yourself and it's hard. Yeah, that that actually rolls into my next question. When was that aha moment? That moment where you were like, "This is this is what I really want to do," and you 
all in, hands down, just just threw everything in. I think like the third stranger that came to my house, that <laughs> was about it. It happened really early. Okay. Because I mean, where I come from here in Oakland, you don't come to people's house like I that. I was gonna right? say that's a very um wild thing for you to do to just leave your kid like hey go go ahead and uh treat yourself come get into this chamber and you know like <laughs> these people didn't know who i was they came to my east oakland apartment to get into a contraption which the one that i bought was very small i'm talking about like this was the diameter right for your listeners who don't see me right now 21 inches in diameter was the size of the chamber that i had and we had all types, all people coming in, trusting me to enclose them in what looked like a coffin <laughs> and to blow it up like with the oxygen and pressure so that they got this therapy. And to me, that right there was the case. Was And then when they came out and they, this woman said for the first time in almost 10 years, she was moving without pain. I was like, okay, this is what I need to be doing with my life. This well, is it. What was, um, was there any person that came in who had like something you, even you thought like this, I, we're going to try because, you know, at this point, somebody's always willing to do whatever they can to see some type of result. What was, if there's any, an ailment that had come in and you were like, holy shit, this, this really, really works. Like, I mean, this shit happens all the time, yeah. right? Like, um, like we have people coming in and sometimes I have to lean on my medical director. So I'm just like, what was that? What is, what is this disease? Uh, I think the biggest one for me was probably our first sudden hearing loss patient. Um, that definitely, in, that jumped out to me when I read it and I was like, Whoa, what? I just was like, no, they don't have any hearing. How, how, how the hell are we solving that problem? <laughs> yeah. Um, and when they came in, we looked up what the protocol was. I okayed it through my medical director. Um, and the person was on the right medication with their ear, nose, and throat doctor. And the first like 10 sessions, nothing was happening. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't want to be this snake oil person. That's like oxygen is going to cure all. <laughs> right, it's not right. a cure all, right? You have to dose it correctly. It has to be at the right times. And so when this guy came in and he was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. I was like, well, per the protocol and the studies, you're within the bracket that we can help you, but I'm not exactly sure. Like I, I was honest. I, I was, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. At least um, you're transparent. You yeah. yeah. If you don't get any healing out of this, I don't want you paying me because it felt outside of the realm of what I was doing. And he came in for his 20 sessions and about session 12, he, cause he always would put his earbuds in every day to see where he was at. Right. Which is very like Neanderthal way of checking your hearing, but he <laughs> right. was doing it. Right. And so he said, after um, he came in for his 12th session, he was like, you guys would never guess. He's giant smile on his face. He was just like, I didn't hear any words, but I heard tones for the first time. So he's got it blaring, right? So in his in his other ear, it's really loud. But in this ear, he started to faintly hear tones. And it was every session, it got louder for him. And this might sound crazy, but I become a believer of the science every day that I work at my clinic because you see people that are coming in after a car accident where they bounce their head off the wall um, and they have cerebral hemorrhaging. They're having a hard time keeping their eyes open because they're sensitive to light and sound. Um, they're having these focal headaches 
and they come in after a series and they're a whole different person. And it's the first time I'm meeting them as normal because when they were coming in, they were coming in a lot of pain. We have a gentleman that's 96 years old. He wasn't supposed to live this long. He was, he had cancer 25 years ago with left him with holes in his bladder. And when he came in, he was close to being septic because his bladder was leaking into his abdomen. Um, and the only thing that heals it is hyperbaric. And so when he came in, I was like, is this fool going to die in our chamber? Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> and I, I was just really, really, really scared of what was going to happen. And he had a catheter, um, he was, you know, urinating into a catheter and it was just all blood um, the first time he came in because of all of the damage that was happening in his body. And after the second session, his wife called us and was like, there's no more blood in his urine. And he went from coming in on a gurney to then coming in in a wheelchair to now he uses a walker to come and see us. Um, and we're sustaining his life. He comes in once a week just to keep the maintenance up for his body. And his doctor has said time and time again, if it wasn't for hyperbaric, he would have been dead two weeks after the first time we met him. And so it's been really gratifying to have these moments with people, right? Where you're like, I'm a believer every day. Like you people- people It's hard not to be at that point. It's so hard, right? When you see these things happen, you're like, okay, let's keep going. We got to keep researching this. We have to start aggregating this data because look at all the good it's doing. And And if it's a thing where it's not drugs, all it is is oxygen and pressure and it's doing all these things. Yeah, let's keep going. That can't be bad for you. It's not addictive. And, and what's even better than that is it's, it's like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, preventative maintenance on your body Yeah, because concussions lead to mood swings that can lead to, you know, multitude of different ailments that people are racking their head about going to therapy when all they really had to do was realize, Hey, it was some trauma that needed some healing and you guys are doing the thing. Well, we had a gentleman that told us that he, he had suffered debilitating depression after his mother died. Before that, he had lost his job, lost his girlfriend, all the things. And he had bought a gun. And he saw our advertisement on Facebook. I remember making that decision to advertise on Facebook. It was our very first time. And I remember thinking, this is a waste of money, $600 for one week of advertising, right? And I was like, we're going to blow it. We're going to see what happens. And this man came to us and he saw our advertisement on Facebook that first time that, and I wasn't, and it's funny because I was going to wait another week to do it. It wasn't a good financial week for us to like take that extra money when it could be doing something else. And I decided to do it. I was like, like, let's just do it. Second day, this man contacted us and I remember the call and he just was like, does this help with depression? And I said, it's a resource. It gives you more energy, which could help you with your depression. And there's some research here. And I sent him the research and he said, okay, I'm coming in. And after he came in, after his first session, even just getting out, his demeanor totally changed. He had his back up. He was more relaxed. And it really wasn't until he finished all 40 of his sessions that he tell me I was going to eat a gun that night if I didn't feel better after that first session. 
And he said he gave the gun away to a local police department. And now he's in law school. Wow. So um, people often ask me, like, am I impressed by how quick the business has grown? And I'm like, yeah, it's cool. We knew it was going to happen because we had a good formula. But what I wasn't ready for were these stories. Were these stories where people had the whole trajectory of their lives changed. Yeah. You, you, most of the time people go into a business or they go into whatever they think their heart is in with the idea of money, living a comfortable life, doing these things. And then sometimes in your, just like your case, you've walked into this other world where you're literally the outcome is, yeah, you're getting money, you're living a comfortable life, but that doesn't even matter anymore. The goal is to help people. And with these stories is, yeah. And let me just be really clear, like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable because I have, I have a great amount of patients that come in. My staff is well paid and we take care of everything we need to take care of. I, I have a lot of pride in making sure that I'm paying people starting $25 an hour. Um, and so beyond living wage, and we're going to start looking at stock, stock options for my, for my employees. But I'm uncomfortable and I'm restless because we're not helping a fraction of the people that we can't help. Yeah. Um, there are people that eat guns every day, right? There are people that live with debilitating pain that don't know what we can do. And so I wake up, you ask my wife, I am restless as hell um, because I'm trying to think of ways how we can reach more people. And that's why we had to do this investment round because we need to make ourselves more available in more places. Um, and we need to start being able to have these partnerships with other facilities so that we are really getting clear on who's being helped and how it went so that we can start aggregating this data. It is ridiculous that in places like Russia, for every one chamber, there's 60,000 people. Here in the United States, for every one chamber, there is uh, 280,000 people. So we have a saturation issue. When we have an issue for resources, we need to make sure that people have access to this. And instead of the one pill size fits all thing, you know, you have what you have is preventative health care, health care that works. That's, you know, not only helping whatever ailment they're, they're getting, but even, you know, plus. And but even just look at like, um, like, uh, uh, diabetic wounds, right? Yeah. That's huge in our community where we can talk about all the reasons it is like we all, we all know we grew up in food deserts, right? Yep. Where we don't have access to clean food. We don't know how to make that food. Right. And unless you have some kind of privilege where you're understanding these things, as you get older, these habits transfer into your adult life. And the food, and the you, answer, yeah, the food you get is, is not nutritionist. It's, it's sugar. Right? It's, it's the things it's that make you fat. the things that make and you it, diabetic, right? And then we don't have any understanding of what diabetes is, right? Um, and you have people that have uncontrolled diabetic wounds on their feet, and Western medicine says we'll just cut that foot off, hmm. we'll just cut it off right below the knee, right? And so we have people that come into our facility facing an amputation for a wound that can be healed. Now there are books on books on books written about hyperbaric medicine and diabetic wounds. When you think about hyperbarics, you think about diabetic wounds. But yet, 
we have such a high number of people getting amputations in this country when you could actually spend less money than what the surgery is to get them into a hyperbaric chamber and change the trajectory of their life. We had people that come in and we have a strict program. You come in, you do your 40 or 60 sessions to heal your feet, but we're also gonna talk about your nutrition. We're gonna talk about moving your body. We had a gentleman that came in and he was facing a double amputation of below the knees. He was a mechanic a blue collar worker that of course, once you take his feet from him, he's not gonna be able to do the work that brings in money for his family. And he was the main breadwinner. And luckily his wife was really smart. She went online, she learned about hyperbaric, she came and found, she came and found us. And for the cost of their copay, we healed his feet and he was with us for three months of treatment. During that time, we paid for a nutritionist for him. We paid for a naturopathic doctor for him. It was an extra cost for him. He lost 70 pounds. He went back to work. And now, because I work in my community, I see him at the grocery store oh. making the choices that he learned how to make. This is what healthcare has to be. Yeah. It's not like, okay, here's your diabetes medication. And we're not going to give you any knowledge about how to take care of your body. And then when you fail at this, we're going to take your legs from you. And then because we're underfunded on purpose, because we don't care about your population, we're not gonna give you the support you need financially when you do lose your job. And you're gonna have end-stage renal disease and we're gonna put you on dialysis, which is even more pills. And eventually that dialysis is gonna fail and you're gonna die a lot earlier than Susie Q right down the street that has had all these resources from the start. I'm not having that. That's not what community is. And that's the story of, multiply that by hundreds and hundreds of thousands of millions. people. Yeah. Millions of people, yeah. I love that you said not only did you guys give him his session or his sessions that he needed for the heels to wound for the wounds to heal, but you also gave him, you know, talked about his diet because that's one thing, especially now. I don't know how many times I've said it, but the beginning of COVID, you hear everybody stay in your house. Don't go outside right. when the most thing you need to do is go outdoors, run, get some, Oh, get that vitamin D, get vitamin go D from the sun. Body. Exactly. But not still to this day, not once have we heard any media yeah. stations or any news reporters saying, Hey, have you been looking at your diet? Are you eating less sugar? Are you just doing the basic things to get your body in a better, but we have mandates because they're just like, Hey, come and get this vaccine. And that's all right. you need to worry about. Right. I mean, and I am not an anti-vax person. I am vaccinated and so is all of my staff, but there are other things that we should be talking about too. People need to go outside and make sure that they are in good physical shape. You need to be eating well. You need to be seeing like what is deficient in your diet that you need to supplement. Believe it or not, African-Americans need a lot more vitamin D because, because the, the melanin of our skin. Yep like really takes it away from us. You either got to go outside or you have to supplement it. And we don't know about these things unless you have the privilege of having access to that knowledge. And so we have large swaps this country, um, loved ones in my family too, that die of this, that have died of COVID-19 because of a lack of information, all full information, yeah. not just go and get your vaccine. That's not it. And it doesn't actually save you. If we're going to be real about this, you can still get it. And if you're vaccinated and you get it, you can still have long haul symptoms, which as we know are wreaking havoc in people's bodies for a very long time. And it's leaning heavily on our medical yeah. industry as well. 
Absolutely. And when we're thinking about what boggles my mind about the diabetes thing is just think about how much that's going to cost a healthcare system down the line to have somebody without their legs now sitting sedentary, right? Not taking care of their body, not being the main person who's cooking food, if they're even cooking food. And what does that look like? It looks like end-stage renal disease. That looks like cancers. It looks like pulmonary issues because you're not getting good blood flow. It's a whole thing. And what also boggles my mind is we save money by helping other, by helping people. We'll, like uh, we helping people be better will save more money in the long run if money is basically their their bottom line. And and they, I mean, you know, the pharmaceutical industry, the like everybody. The hospital systems, yeah. yeah. I mean, they literally shoot themselves in the foot <laughs> by not employing more of these alternative and it's not even alternative, like alternative in that bad negative connotation way. This has clinical research. Like if we're just talking about diabetes on itself, you could really change how much a healthcare system is spending on a person by getting them into early hyperbarics when they start to show these wounds. And really when you have them captive, which I had this gentleman captive for three months in my place for two hours plus in my facility, five days a week, he had to listen to us. Yeah, you can drill right? it into him, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you're stuck in a chamber. I have a walkie-talkie. I can <laughs> sit there and talk to you about your health, and you can't do anything about it. And feeling better after you get out at, after every session, you, you have no other choice but to believe that it works and what you guys are saying is true. Absolutely. And then you look at the mountains and mountains of reviews, which is more reviews than any other facility in the United States. And you will read the stories about the women who came in and were told that they couldn't have children and now they have babies. Um, and you, the person who was like, I didn't think that I was gonna be able to hear again and I was gonna have to change jobs and now I can continue to work as a nurse. It's these, this is what healthcare should look like. And so we're pushing really hard to get this fundraising round done and then to go into a series B to cross the country. Well, I love that you have hired a PR team to reach out to me because I, I don't have the biggest um, net to uh, to share this with, but I will share it with however many people I positively can. I didn't know much at all, if anything, about hy hyperbarics, and um, I just want to know what other than you know you guys doing your your promotions and you're paying for ads and stuff like that. What what how else can we get this word out? How else can why, why is there such a, not silence, but, you know, less, lesser known thing about hyperbarics? And, you know, I think it's starting to have its renaissance, if I'm honest. Like, if we're looking at what happened with cryotherapy, we're seeing a renaissance around hyperbaric. I think just, like, type, in, what I love to do is type in a condition and then say how hyperbarics helps it, right? So if there's an audience member out there, you're like, man, I have type two diabetes, or I'm suffering from post-stroke post issues with my brain or with my physicality, type it into Google and just see what pops up. You're going to see hundreds and hundreds of studies around what they've done with hyperbarics. Now, as far as my company alone, um, our website's pretty clear, you know, we're hh-bayarea.com or hh-usa.com. Both of them take you to the same place. Um, and if there's anyone that's interested in our race, just 
send us an email at info at hh-bayarea.com and we will get you the NDA and get you in to show all the things that we're doing. Um, I just want to say briefly on that factor, we learned as we're learning as we go that um, part of a, a big bureaucracy in this nation is about investing. Now, I know this goes a little bit off your topic, but you should know that when companies invest, uh, start an investment round, it is required that we predominantly use accredited investors. Um, do you know about that system? I don't. Accredited investors are investors that make $200,000 a year or $300,000 together with a partner or own a million dollars of wealth not in a home. So when you're thinking about who that is, I don't know many of those people. <laughs> I was, so that, I, that's where I was going through the Rolex in my, or Rolodex in my head. Yeah, I was like, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And so um, what we learned was, was really dismaying to us was that the people that we were helping and we were hoping to get into our investment round were people by law who were barred from actually investing in our round. And so I wrote an op-ed about how this is a bullshit, racist, classist system. Um, and we have now linked up with a company called WeFunder. Um, and our website's gonna go live through WeFunder and I'll send you the link when it does next week. But basically um, we are democratizing what it looks like to invest in a company. And so we are now working with unaccredited investors to fund our uh, investment. Now, a lot of our financial advisors and our lawyers have said, don't do it, don't do it. And I have said, we're doing it. Um, <laughs> because if people like me can't invest in me, I'm disinterested in growing because that's not what it, that's not what community looks like to me. So we will be fundraising through WeFunder and anyone at any income level can get into an, uh, an investment opportunity with us with a minimum of $400. Um, and so that is really exciting for us is that we're not just going to work with accredited investors. We have saved $5 million of our raise for anyone who would like to invest in our company. That's amazing. I love the transparency. I love that you are not willing to go with the status quo of, hey, you got to follow these guidelines and you're doing your own thing. That is my hat off to you. This is I've learned so much. I'm, I'm <laughs> definitely going to look out for that investor thing because I, I, I would love to invest in a company like this. Like I said, numbers don't lie. And the reviews and, and the things you guys have done. Thank you. Uh, and we, of course, would love to have you and we'd love to have anyone that's really interested. And the kind of things that we're going to be doing to push the envelope is what it looks like to continue the work of my grandparents, which was working for the people. Um, and I believe that the future of healthcare is holistic and it's making sure that people have the options for their health and it's not just a pill or it's not just an amputation, but we're looking really, really clearly at other options. Um, and so as we continue to lead this, it's been a journey and we're really looking forward to touching more lives as we expand across the country. Well, thank you so much for everything you do. And this this really touches home for me because I grew up in Philly, um, yeah. right near a place called Kensington. And they call that zombie land because of how many people are just, you know, it's pretty bad. But um, to end on a high note, I have two more questions and then uh, we'll be sure, done sure. here. What is your best advice for making the world a better place? Get in where you fit in. 
for me, um, I have always worked to help people. And so I tell people just get in where it fits for you. What do you do well? Do it well and do it for the people. Nice. And last question. Okay. You're on the podcast and let's just say hypothetically, the everyone is in the world is listening right now. Whatever language yeah. it's coming through, they understand. What is yeah. your message for people? Take charge of your life. We only have one. So when you hear something, someone tells you to do something, definitely listen to them, but listen to your inner voice because we only have one shot at this life. And if we spend it listening to other people, um, you will spend your life in line in somebody else's, somebody else's rules, somebody else's plan. We all have our own plan for our lives. You just have to tap into it. Well said. Once again, it's been an honor. Thank you so much, Alex, for, for enlightening me and my audience on the <laughs> wonders of hyperbarics. And um, I will look forward to seeing the growth. And I would love to have you on again down the future just to see how, how things have been going. Absolutely. We'll check in after this fundraising round and brother, come through, come through to Oakland anytime and believe it or not. I don't know where you are right now, but we are looking at Philly at one of our one of our biggest markets. All right. Well, I'm I'm in New York right now, but I'll definitely keep we'll an eye out too. for that. Yeah, we'll be there, too. Well, thank you so much for your time, sir. It's been a blessing. Now that just about wraps it up for today's show. So be sure to check out the show notes where you can find the links to Holistic Hyperbarics Wellness Clinic, as well as where you can get information on investing. I'm sure you want to do that because it is only going to help others and yourself make some money helping other people get the treatment that they need. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show or follow us on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review or just share the show with somebody you think could benefit from listening. We now have a website, limelighthighlight.com. There's merch, a store, a little biography of who I am, some cool pictures of the volunteer events that I've been a part of. There's also um, all the podcast episodes that I've recorded thus far where you can go listen to if you like and also there is a contact tab if you have an idea for the show or you think somebody's worthy of being highlighted make sure you check out that tab and see how we can connect i also have um on that contact tab where you can uh, be a sponsor if you so choose to to help support the podcast I can also be contacted on any of the following social media platforms on Instagram and Facebook at Limelight Highlight. Also at Twitter at LL underscore highlight. Um, So, yeah, stay tuned for next week's episode where we're joined by Bridget, the founder of Philly Maverick, and have a heavy conversation that covers men's mental health and the trauma they deal with that isn't talked about much. And that's about today's show. I really hope you enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys listened and I'm glad you stuck it out with me. I know I've been on a little bit of a hiatus, but we are back, baby, and we are going to continue to do what we can. So as always, be humble, be helpful, pay it forward, be the best you. Thanks for listening.